Welcome to this episode. Today I am with Damien, who is a regular on the podcast, who runs an organisation called Mentor Hub, which focuses on enabling people to realise their potential through programs and mentoring experiences. And I am working with Tank through a lot of consulting with entrepreneurs and small businesses and many startups and helping them figure out what the next steps in their business are, um, particularly in marketing and consulting around brand and also a bit of business strategy. So firstly, how was your week this week, Damien? Uh, well, firstly, Lauren, it's actually great to have you here. It's been really cool to do this podcast with you today. And my week's been kind of all over the place, topsy-turvy. Um, I've had no routine. I've sort of been doing a lot of meetings after work. And so I normally love taking my dog for a walk. I love getting up in the morning, having a coffee, but it's all been ripped from me, but that's okay. So I'll get back to some routine this week. Yeah, how was yours? Mine was great. I am recovering from going back to playing rugby union after having a season and a half off to have a child. So I wasn't going to play, but I've decided to have another crack. So I'm pretty sore, but it's uh, it's been a really good week getting back into it all um, and chasing a one-year-old around the park while I'm trying to um, get back to some sprinting. So wow. it's been good. So which one's harder, rugby league or chasing a, a um, one-year-old? Chasing a busy one-year-old in a, in a large park. Um, but we're lucky to live in Melbourne around some beautiful gardens. So got some great places to run. Terrific. Yeah. Um, today we're going to chat a bit about People, um, in particular the word entrepreneurs, which is a bit of a sore point for some. Um, we were having a chat to Taryn, who works with us at Tank the other day, and she mentioned that she gave some feedback to someone saying, you are a great entrepreneur. And the lady turned around and said, I'm not an entrepreneur. I am a business, powerful businesswoman. And um, so if anyone's offended by the word entrepreneur, apologies for that. But we're going to use it in the context of people who are getting into startups and I guess pursuing their dreams and their goals and particularly in business. And we're going to talk today about, you know, some unconscious self-sabotage um, that people sort of engage with in terms of chasing the opportunities and how you can overcome some really tightly held beliefs, especially in terms of designing discipline pathways forward and what that could look like. And I was reading a, the startup, the Lean Startup by Eric Ries the other day and in the, the quote in there that sort of triggered this conversation is that it said startup success is not a consequence of good genes or being in the right place at the right time. Startup success is about engineering by following the right process, which means it can be learned, which means it can be taught. And Damien, you actually um, have programs that teach people how to be better entrepreneurs. Uh, yeah, I'd love to hear a bit more about what your thoughts on that are. Yeah, that's great. Uh, really great topic, Lauren. Um, you know, this thing, I was actually having a chat with a colleague just earlier about um, just how malleable the brain is and mm -hmm. just how we can learn and do a U-turn on, on everything from our belief systems to the way we, to our, co our cognitive, um, you know, behaviours, the mm -hmm. way we process thoughts. And the one thing that I always remind people when we're doing workshops or seminars or coaching and something I always remind myself is that the brain is highly adaptable. Mm -hmm. It's highly malleable and with a bit of discipline, a bit of self-awareness and, and some real work and intent, you can actually do a U-turn. Um, it really becomes more of a matter of just how much work do you want to do over what period. So it's not, it's really mm -hmm. not enough just to you know, listen to this podcast, read a good book, um, jump on a weekend seminar. All those things only prepare you for doing the work during the day. Mm -hmm. And if you're taking that attitude 
around your own development uh, as an entrepreneur or even as a business leader or a performer, uh, you really will accelerate the rate of learning. Mm -hmm. And that's something, that's a, a key philosophy. I mean, you know that old term, the leopard never changes its stripes? Mm -hmm. Well, it's a, it's a complete load of crap. Mm -hmm. If the leopard wants to change its stripes and they, they've got a clear intention in, in, in uh, wanting to do the discipline work, mm -hmm. they definitely can uh, change, uh, you know, the way they behave, the way they relate and even their entrepreneurial, um, you know, toolkits uh, and bits and pieces they want to take to the market. Yeah, that's great. I, I mentioned to you earlier that for me, I guess one of the blockages was that I did believe that a lot of the reasons perhaps I hadn't pursued my goals in business or got blocked and kind of changed my, my way and tried something new and consistently kept on, um, I guess, not moving forward was that, you know, have these parents who are in uh, education and and one's, my dad's a principal and my mum's a teacher and I kind of use this excuse that my parents never taught me about business and they I don't have the the business genes which we discussed in that quote is is actually what triggered something in me to say well, okay well what else is it then if that's if that's not what it is and, and it, it can be taught what are some of the behaviors and rituals that I can start um, implementing in my life I guess to change that mindset and and move forward and giving myself little little goals to say actually no I can be uh, a business person and start this and, and keep moving forward. So tell yeah. me about some of the things you do in your day. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'll tell you about some of the stuff I do, but just sort of coming back to um, mm -hmm. how our parents and those, you know, whether they're teachers, siblings, colleagues, peers, professionals, how they influence us, particularly early on in our development, we start to pick up these, I guess, what, what I'd call irrational belief systems. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I should. I can't do this. The world's a dangerous place. So sure. I, I can't do this entrepreneurial venture stuff. It's too hard. And we didn't come into this world with those belief systems. Mm -hmm. We picked them up from somebody. Yeah, mm -hmm. and they picked it up from somebody else. So mm -hmm. the the work we're always doing with people is to get them to develop a, a much deeper awareness of who taught me these belief systems mm -hmm. where did I pick them up because if the scarcity based belief systems don't actually serve me in the world of you know creating a venture starting a business because when you when you're out embarking on a, a new journey particularly within an entrepreneurial sort of framework anything that's inside of you will be exposed it's like those cracks yeah you run a, a, a water through a high pressure hose what ends up happening is the cracks will start to appear yes. that stuff was already inside of you but when you jump out on your own or embark on a new venture, everything's going to come out. And so I, I see that as a perfect time to start doing some internal work, which is um, awareness, I'm behaving in a certain way. I'm trying to sell uh, the other week based on, we mentioned selling based on scarcity doesn't work. I'm trying to innovate or iterate uh, based on um, fear. It doesn't work. Mm. So what's the opposite of that? The opposite of that is creating some space to notice those belief systems and then say, well, what's my intention? What do I want to do next that's opposite or different to that? And the simple maybe mantra could be just do something different. And if you keep practicing that stuff time and again, your neural pathways will refire and, and you'll create new neural pathways and, and you'll start to behave in a different way. But I think you mentioned before that that takes just a lot of repetition and a lot of daily practice. It's like learning anything, isn't it? How do you learn something? I can't learn the big stuff. I've got to start practicing on the little stuff. Yeah, absolutely does. One of the other comments, having a chat with someone we're working with who's a, um, a business startup in the SaaS product and he was saying this morning that it's just genuine exposure to genuine experience. So I think it's less about 
the genes that you've been passed down and it's more about getting around people that that are running businesses and who do understand how to change their mindset and, and getting little tools and things like that from them to hold on to as your own. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it, look, it's it's great because you, you've sort of highlighted um, one area which is um, you've got that discipline pathway and getting all these tools and bits and pieces. So if you've got the right tools and, and a really disciplined um, way of uh, approaching your day and, and these various encounters. And the second thing you really need to have is a complete openness and a humility around your own learning style. Yeah, so it's humility, compassion, and a lot of compassion when you make mistakes because how else are you going to learn? You don't grow without mistakes. People yeah. sort of have this ridiculous notion that in corporate settings you're not meant to make mistakes. That's just madness. I mean, all the most you know successful tech um, ecosystems in the world uh, encourage failure, encourage mistakes. In Israel, in in Silicon Valley, they get it. They just say, you know what, be embarrassed, launch your minimum viable product, and let it get ripped to pieces. That's fine. You just it's just iteration. Yeah, it doesn't actually matter. It's how you grow. And and I think from a philosophical perspective, it's really being really humble about uh, your own learning and just opening up and saying, actually, you know, I probably don't know a lot and so I'm really open to people coming in and giving me feedback and advice and, and I don't mind criticisms because I don't need to take it personally and that, you know, taking personal, um, taking criticism personally is also, it's like an irrational belief system that you learnt back in the day. You know what, you've got to be perfect. You, what, you can't make mistakes. What a load of crap. So who's teaching us that? We need to start learning and practicing that humility around being completely open to learning, feedback. But within that, you know, you still should be discerning. You don't have to take everyone's advice on board, do you? No, absolutely not. I hope not. So, yeah, um, so you can still have a high level of discernment and still be open and compassionate at the same time. I think that's a pretty cool model for people to practice. Yeah, that's great. And do you find that people who are coming in to be a part of your programs or come for mentoring with you, what are some you know, some early signs that you think perhaps these are the type of people that I need to spend a bit more work on helping them to realise those traits. What yeah. do you see in them? It's always a deep dive for us. So mm. there's always work to be done. So sure. with any um, entrepreneur or, or business owner or leader, there's always a lot of personal work to do. I, I'm not saying I enjoy doing the work all the time, but there's work that has to be done. And it's, it's like they're walking around carrying a, a backpack full of bricks and they're <laughs> trying to build a business. And those bricks are... I'm not good enough. Uh, you know, I don't deserve success. Um, this isn't fair. You know, la da da. All these sort of, or, or on the other um, side, they've got these dogmatic belief systems, which are things must be done this way. This is how it has to happen, and that's the absolute opposite of iteration. And that, you know, that whole product market fit. How do I develop and iterate something unless I'm completely malleable to what the the resonance of the market, the consumers are telling me about what I need to flip? Mm. So just because version version one, version ten could be completely different to version one, and that's okay. And that openness to being agile is also a belief system. It starts with, you know, to be honest, it starts with you know how much tension you've got in your body. Yeah. yeah, what do you hold your stretch? You see people when they're walking around, they're tense, they're uptight. You can't do this sort of resilient stuff with that kind of attitude. Mm. So we're always trying to open up people up, soften them up a little bit, get them to share. That's why all this vulnerability um, work with Brene Brown and authenticity we're seeing in AFL. And that's, that is high performance because this stuff works. Yeah, that's yeah. great. And, and so what do you tell people when they sort of – I guess they're holding back a bit. They come along and they have this idea of where they want to get within a week or a day and yep. they have these preconceived ideas about what they're going to achieve in a certain amount of time and you sort of look at them and realise there's work to be done. What 
what do you do to encourage them to sort of open up yeah. other than I guess they're not prepared to talk straight away? What are some tools that you that you use? Uh, the best tool you're going to use is that sharing something that's not pretty. Yeah, so I can't ask you to be vulnerable and open unless I show you what's in my backpack. So I'll tell you my stories. I'll tell you, um, talk to you about anxiety, panic attacks, trauma, anything that I've been through and experienced because that's a key part of my learning and therefore I'm giving you permission to start to drop your guard. And it's that uh, the, the work of entrepreneurs, leaders and founders is, is, is at one level is nothing other than getting people to drop their guard about an idea or a product or, hey, come along on this journey with me. Um, not sure exactly how it's going to be done, but I'm going to show you my complete authenticity and vulnerability and purpose in order for me to do that. I've got to drop my ego. Yeah. How do I drop my ego? I'm going to tell you something that's not pretty, maybe. Does that make sense? Of course, and people respond to, well, yeah. to that well always. And that's it. We, we discuss the concept of leadership and we're seeing a lot of uh, resonance on, on TEDx and, and a lot of online podcasts from people that are showing that level of authenticity because finally people can go, you know what, <sighs> you know, this person is speaking the truth because we're so tired of, of content, aren't we? We're so tired of the wrong content, I guess, because it's, it's not giving people anything. Yeah. And we're tired of the, the you know, the, the sunrise, the, the, the really crappy fabricated vanilla shows that we see out there, the, you know, all these reality shows. Don't get me wrong, you know, just, you know, I'm sure there's people use this as a way to switch off, but it's actually, there's not, nothing that's actually real. No substance. There's no substance yeah. and there's disconnection. And so show me something that's real. And that's why it's, as, a, as part of a mentoring or a, a performance program, it's really important for people to be able to facilitate with a high level of authenticity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'd love to hear a bit more about the types of individuals and businesses that you work with. Um, you work with corporates and sports people and individual entrepreneurs. And there's obviously been some that have really excelled because they've been vulnerable and they've decided to open up and they've been um, willing to be self-aware. And you've probably seen them progress, uh, progress a lot faster than other people because of that. And I guess, like you said, they've they've emptied their backpack early on. They've got rid of all the bricks and they're ready to run. I'd love to hear about some of those people and and, and what did you take away from observing them that that has helped you to help other people? Yeah, it's it's a, a like a absolutely um, it's so rewarding to see someone go through a growth journey. It is probably one of the most remarkable things you can actually witness to see someone grow, uh, drop some baggage. It's like they're actually they look quite different the way they're walking their posture their energy the, the way they're engaging with people is fundamentally different and where that often starts um, for people that we've worked with or I've witnessed um, they'll start on the small stuff so they'll start to just slowly get an awareness of this martyrdom syndrome that they've picked up you know they're playing a victim uh, they're trying really hard with a new startup venture and for whatever reason they just can't get a deal and so that's fear turns into you know they turn into a bit of a maybe turn into a little bit of a victim a little bit of a martyr start complaining start sort of making excuses about the the market but it's like this internal belief system that's kind of coming up that they've learned way back when that they start realizing guess what I'm it, I'm responsible, um, I don't need to play the victim and I'm going to start becoming really aware of when this victim syndrome comes up because it doesn't serve me. And as soon as you see them, the, the penny drops and they realise that they don't have to be so hard on themselves nor that they have to go through this sort of victim identity because of their inability to achieve all of their goals within a prescribed period. And they start 
relaxing a little bit. They start having a bit of self-compassion and you'll start to see a, a fundamental shift. And when they bring that compassion and, and lack of judgment and as well as full accountability and responsibility, you'll see that the way they start engaging in the market is fundamentally different. And that in itself is an absolute, um, for want of a better term, they just literally start to wake up. Yeah, that's really good insight. I think hearing you talk about that um, reminds me of, you know, some of the experiences I've been through and even even going through sporting um, teams and being in, in elite teams and things like that. The pressure that you put on yourself is, is quite high and that often is the thing that, that triggered this response that the pressure on myself to then have all these thoughts and, and not not enjoy it and, and feel the pressure. And I think lately uh, reflecting on that, um, a lot of the things that we do is we put pressure on ourselves that I need to start this podcast or I need to redo my website or I need to start writing articles or I need to meet with this person. And there's just so many um, shoulds that we put on ourselves. I have a friend that always tells me, don't should on yourself because yes. it's usually us that's telling us, good, good I should be reading this book or I, sh- I should be watching that thing. And, and people are always going to be telling you things. And I wonder how you help people filter that out. And, and is it a case of them coming in and, and you helping them to see that those pressures have been put on themselves by themselves? And and what sort of – you talk a lot about meditation and yoga and and journaling. I'd love to hear a little bit about how you introduce those to people and, and what that looks like in terms of what, what do you introduce first and, and how do you slowly start to introduce them to these kind of more mindfulness activities? Yeah, it's um, the simplest way to uh, start. Uh, we mentioned the other day uh, is – if I'm not aware of my behaviour, I'm going to get caught in it, aren't I? You know, it's mm. like you know when you were playing sports, there was something there in the middle of this process that you probably you had a bit of time to reflect, or whether you journal, you thought, you know what, I'm actually being really hard on myself. Yeah. So who's who's that person that's saying I'm being really hard on myself? You know, where where's that person coming from? And unless you create some uh, some quiet space, a bit of journaling, a bit of conversation with a friend, you won't actually have that awareness. So you'd be caught in the in the reaction versus event, triggering event reaction. So you're constantly in that cycle of this is really hard, it's really difficult, blah, blah, blah. But then something just, there's a bit of a spark maybe. I mean, do you actually recall any times or moments when you had a, a bit of an awareness and where that came from? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just that idea that you stop enjoying something that you used to enjoy yeah. and you're like, I, I'm really not looking forward to this, this race or this event or this game. And I guess it's that idea that I'm like, well, I started this because I really enjoyed it and I was passionate about it. And I guess people are like that in business. They get to a point and, and it gets tough and these beliefs come in and they start to think to themselves, oh, I'm not liking this, I'm hating what I'm doing, but I know that I started this project or whatever it is with a real passion. And I guess when you realise that, that's a trigger to say, well, what am I doing for this for if I'm really hating it and I'm not looking forward to it and I'm living the week with anxiety building up to an event Um, but you know it's something that you're passionate about and I think that for me is a really big trigger to realise, well, something has to change because you want to get back to that point to really, yeah, fulfil your dream that you had and and enjoy every day of it, yeah. And you... When you get stuck, let's say you're stuck in angst or or in a repetitive cycle, what we find and I observe more often than not is that precipitates a growth journey. So you don't actually get to step up to that next level until you're stuck. And I always use this term through the mud. It's always through the mud. So when the mud comes, which is, you know, a little bit of trauma, a bit of anxiety, a bit of tension, what we always say, it's actually time for you to relax, just open up the lungs and just stop. Yeah, just stop doing whatever you're doing. 
take some time out. Uh, meditation is probably quite challenging for most people. Yeah, it's just how it is. And you don't have to sit there for 30 or 40 minutes. It just might be as simple as sitting in the park with a journal, taking your feet off, okay, sitting, uh, walking across an oval, um, getting off your phone 100%, get off all content, off all digital media and just bring a journal, do some light reflection, uh, talk to a friend or a colleague, um, get, off the, get off Netflix, get off news, get off uh, all this content and the more space you create, your mind and your, your awareness will naturally find its own centre. Does that make sense? Absolutely. To be centred and aware is a very natural state but we're clouding our head with all this junk, all this gunk, all these belief systems, other people's drama and, you know, we, we, and we're addicted to shows that are all completely about drama. So you keep, we're always heightening our state, which is unnatural, but the more space and time I come away from these mediums and the more time I, I spend in whether it's nature and, and you don't have to go for a two-hour drive. You can just spend a bit of time in the park and just notice the sunlight, notice uh, you know, the, the air, notice the, the smells and sounds and eventually your mind will find a level of balance. It probably takes us a little bit longer sometimes if we're quite heightened, but it's within that aware space that you're... Uh, that your intuition will start to come alive and you'll start to work out, well, what's going on? What am I doing? Am I being really harsh or judgmental? Um, what's this current situation teaching me about so maybe some old stuff that's kicking around that maybe my parents or my siblings taught me, whoever they were, you know, they did the best they could. Um, but they picked that stuff up from someone else and they picked up those belief systems from someone else. But unless I create that space, um, I don't know. Um, I don't, I'm not aware that I've got a choice to do something different. So that, that at a very simple level, I know it sounds, it sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? But people aren't doing that. Yeah. Got to go, got to go, got to get home. Uh, I get home and I try and wind down on TV. It's crazy. We all do it. Well, we try, you know, I'm trying a lot better these days. Or going from home to the pub and, and having a few glasses of wine or going from here to here. And, you know, we're always, even, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with podcasting, of course. <laughs> this podcast is amazing. <laughs> just anything other than this podcast. But just get off the phone for a little bit and yeah. just observe what's going on around you and let your mind come back to balance. It's from that point you'll find all the answers. Mm. Is that and that's what we're trying to teach people. Um, just clear all the forest, clear all the wood away for a bit so you know how to do that deal. You know what the situations are, scenarios are. I believe everyone can find a solution. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to teach people is to practice those things. Yeah, so that's great. Um, there's a room at Hub called Rest. I can't call it the restroom. It sounds like the bathroom. But the, there's rooms um, dedicated in Hub where we work called Rest. And there's a couch in there and there's a soft light lamp and... Um, a cushion and sometimes there's a book in there that someone's placed in there intentionally but you can go in there and lock the door and and you can actually turn the light off which I often do because it's it's pretty much pitch black in there um and I find that as a really nice way just to spend even three minutes That's enough. um just to go I mean I don't smoke but I sort of sometimes wish That's that I did break, yeah. <laughs> yeah to have a cigarette break and think well I have to go downstairs right now I have to get out of the building because the only place I can smoke is on the street. And I feel like perhaps people who smoke are more mindful. I don't know. If you do, you can tell us what you think. But, you know, that idea of, of or what, what kind of ritual or behaviour can I put in my life that's forcing me to get off my, off my chair and go outside into fresh air or go into the restroom, you know, if it's terrible weather. But it's really nice to have a place um, within our workspace that you can actually just go and put some headphones on yep. or meditate yes. or, or pray or whatever you do, you can go in there and just be yourself and no one's going to interrupt you for the three minutes 
or 30 minutes that you're in there. Um, so I would love to know of other workplaces that have this opportunity for people to escape, um, even if it is a small box room um, yep. to get away from it. Yeah, and, and a lot more workplaces are implementing those um, types of rooms. But what I'd just suggest to people is uh, they assume that a meditation has to be 20 or 30 minutes. It certainly doesn't. You just even a few minutes of breathing throughout the day, going for a walk, um, just a bit of solo time, not having to catch up with people all the time, just sitting out on the bench and just observing what's going on around you is enough to actually bring your adrenal levels down sufficiently so you, you can be more creative and, and more innovative. The other thing that we're trying to teach people a lot more these days, um, you mentioned earlier this sort of this sort of philosophy thing around entrepreneurship and, and um, creating ventures and stuff like that, but one of the key things that people really need to get their head around and practice is when I have a difficult event or a traumatic event in my business or my life, I've got to use that as an opportunity to learn. Yeah. So rather than resisting and avoiding it and playing the, it's not fair, why is this happening? It shouldn't be happening to me. Okay. Just flip it on its head and say, you know what, that's actually really hard. It's, it hurts a lot. It's quite painful. And I open up my lungs and get some mentoring advice or support from a friend. But if I'm going to go through this, I may as well treat this as a learning opportunity because how else am I going to grow? Yeah. yeah. So most people aren't doing that. They're avoiding and resisting the lessons inherent within a really difficult period, a hard negotiation, losing a big client, dropping a lot of money. Rather than resisting those lessons, what we're saying to people, okay, you've done the training, now it's time to learn. What have you learned? How are you going to grow? How are you going to implement this? Yeah. And so all of a sudden your brain starts to refire in a different way and you see this as an opportunity. Now, you don't, don't get me wrong, it's not pleasant. And you're not looking for this stuff all the time. But if it's going to come, you might as well learn. And that self-reflected learning uh, is completely um, within everyone's capability. So when the really big stuff starts to happen, if you're not doing it with the small stuff, you won't be ready for the big stuff. So that's the training. Yeah, We always say do the training. Train all the time. Do the training. So you're ready for the stuff that will happen. Mm. And if you, don't, if you don't like that stuff, it's just this arena completely is not for you, which is okay as well. Yeah, it's not a big deal. I think um, triggers can be good or bad and often the bad ones are going to wake you up a lot faster than, than the good ones. Um, so I totally understand that. And I guess, you, sh- you know, you can be aware that you're not feeling right about something and I think our tuition is, is much stronger than, than we, um, I guess, give it credit for. Um, so it's really good to hear that that's something that you use to, to explain to, to people. Decide that it's time to move forward in some way or step up. Yeah. And, and just, just on that uh, topic... Uh, when we're stuck in the mud, then we start judging ourselves. Oh, I shouldn't be stuck in the mud. I should be more competent. I shouldn't be doing this. So we start to layer all these dogmatic belief systems over the top. And it's only when you start to become aware that you're doing it, you've got a choice to say, you know what, this doesn't serve me. It's of no value whatsoever. I've, I've got to pull myself out of this financial position or whatever it might look like. And I've got to start hustling. I've got to start pulling deals in, et cetera, et cetera. So this self-blame, self-harsh judgment, self-criticism... Uh, they're all related to belief systems that we got taught back in the day, which is the world's really hard. You need to be really hard on yourself and the world's quite scary and dangerous. And th- they're just a, all a complete illusion of fabrication. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are coming to you not just um, within their roles to step up in their particular role in terms of being uh, more high performance in their role, but they also come to you because they've had um, many different business ideas and they've never been able to get any off the ground. Yeah. 
and perhaps um, it's not any different whether that's an internal role that they're in where they're trying to have a breakthrough or whether it's a business idea. Do you encourage people to sort of go through this process of understanding what it looks like to, I guess, be a better entrepreneur, whether you have a business or not? Do you think it's a great thing to be able to go and learn about this um, right now, doesn't matter what you're doing, just come in and start to learn about it? Or do you think it has to be when you have an idea that you're stuck on, you know? I would encourage people to do a lot of work and a lot of observation about successful entrepreneurs that they look up to. Mm. You know, we've all got different people we look up to as mentors or people we think, you know what, I really love the way they go about business, the way they engage people and also their their smarts and their intellect. So I always encourage people to learn, observe, witness and find out what is it about these people that makes them a high-performing entrepreneur how do they present and engage with the market what is it about their style that resonates with me and it's got to resonate with you doesn't it yeah you got to get them and think you know what the way they pitch a product the way they lead through a room i believe them i feel they're authentic and they they represent somebody that i really aspire to learning from and so i always encourage people even you know if they're not let's use this um, term entrepreneurs, if they're like intrapreneurs, they're working with organisations and they want to be more creative and do some really cool stuff, um, I always encourage people to go out and explore, test the market um, before they've got an idea and just understand, well, how do you put a business model together? What's this thing called recurring revenue? Uh, how do you do solid uh, you know, cash flow forecasting? All these fundamental skills that are just so important to learn because when you get to the, the point of re- trying to release a minimum viable product to market, all these things are going to come up. So you might as well learn them now, yeah? Yeah. And the other the, – the beautiful thing is when uh, – we were talking to a mate in Silicon Valley a little while back and he kind of – he keeps going on about this – be embarrassed, be embarrassed, always be embarrassed. Be embarrassed because if you're not embarrassed, you're holding back in the market, yeah? That whole minimum viable product, product testing, put something out there and take it back and tweak it. Put it out there again. Get some resonance from the market, make some alterations. And that constant iteration between what feedback you're getting about a service, an idea, a pitch, a product, the market's going to tell you. When it's dogma, it's just, it must be like this that stops us from listening to the market and having a level of humility to allow the people to tell you as well as what your beliefs are around how something needs to shape. But letting go of, of these dogma, uh, dogmatic belief systems is, is the key. Yeah. I think we live in this world where it's sort of the internet is a good and bad part of that because, yes, you can put something out and get instant feedback, yeah. but you can also put something out and get instant negative comments and people have that availability to get right to the core of something that you know is always a struggle for you. So, you know, it's the difficult part of um, being able to filter that and be okay with that. And I was listening to a great uh, TED talk this morning, um, just a short 11 minute TED talk and he was talking about empathy and he's a a performance artist and he does a lot of, um, I guess, research working with vulnerable people and he puts things out there and he's openly gay and, you know, and people just straight away make comments about that. And so, you know, he has to really filter that and say, well, I'm going to produce this, this video series or I'm going to start this podcast knowing that he's going to get the feedback to know if the audience loves it, but he's also going to get that feedback yep. through. And he decided to start calling up people and asking them, like, I saw you made that comment. Yes. Can I ask you why you made that? Great. So he's willing to kind of to call them on it. And I think... I think that's the fear of people starting anything now, whether it's an Instagram post or a podcast or whatever performance, you know, there's that instant bad feedback that could come and will come. 
he, he knows that when he puts anything out there, he's going to get instant negative feedback that's going to trigger a lot of deep wounds in him. Yes. But he's prepared to take that and, and he's looking into, you know, calling people up on it. And I found that really fascinating. But I guess that gives people a lot of fear in, in this day and age. Incredibly powerful exercise to do. It is the most powerful exercise to actually seek that kind of feedback because you know what it does? It actually dissolves your ego. Yeah. And you get over yourself and you think, you know what, I'm still alive. You know, that person, I don't have to agree with them. Who cares? Whatever. It's just an opinion. I don't care. Whatever. But allowing and being okay with that feedback, I wouldn't say you have to enjoy it, but growing that resilience to be okay to people giving you bad feedback is incredibly powerful. It's the hard stuff that you've got to practice on. And that need to get validation from people. And I used to, I used to be a people pleaser years ago. And I realized, you know what? What people think of you doesn't matter. And you know what? It's, it's actually none of your business what they think of you, is it? I mean, they're going to have their opinion. You can't control it. And the sooner that you expose yourself to those situations and you realize it's actually not a big deal, even if they've been um, really difficult or hard. And there might be a time where you say, you know what? No, stop. That's inappropriate. I'm going to call you out on it. But for the most part, or, more, or quite often, it's just feedback and criticism. So how do, you, how do you grow resilience if you can't practice being okay with bad feedback? This is the work of entrepreneurial resilience. This is the only work. And getting over yourself, getting over yourself, you know, you and I are doing this podcast. If you're so worried about what people think, you're going to be sitting here and, you know, and just tied up in knots and you, you can't talk. Yeah. yeah. So you're just letting go and just saying, you know what, people are going to think what they're going to think. I can't please everyone. It's madness. Yeah, it's yeah. absolutely crazy. But a lot of people in this Instagram world, it's like this dopamine hit that they're getting from likes. It's it's the worst thing you can do. How many likes? How many likes? How many likes? You're just creating these neural pathways that give you this dopamine rush. It's really bad for you. Yeah. See, people are going to have that in context. It's okay to get likes. It's okay to get validation. But we all know people that chase the likes. Yeah, the like hunters. Like, 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 like. It's just people giving feedback. Who cares? It's actually not real. If I like something, you know what? I'm going to call you up and say, you know what? That's amazing. Yeah. I don't need to do it off uh, Instagram a like or is very, It's very cheap, a like, isn't it? <laughs> a, yeah, yeah. It's, it's cheap. Just call that person up and tell them or give them that feedback. And isn't yeah. that a lot more powerful? Yeah. I wanted to read the um, part of the TED Talk this morning that he said that I, I tweeted this morning because I really resonated talking about that. But he said, empathy is not an endorsement. Empathy, empathizing with someone you profoundly disagree with does not suddenly compromise your deeply held beliefs and endorse theirs. Empathy is acknowledging the humanity of someone who was raised to think very differently to you. And his name's Dylan Moran. And um, I love that because that's, that's a cool I think, yeah, just acknowledging that. Um, I remember once starting a, um, a clothing label <laughs> back oh, wow. in my youth. Yeah, I, wow. I don't want to talk about it. My mum still has a suitcase full yeah, of T-shirts. Right. Fantastic. I keep telling her to get rid of them because I'm embarrassed by it. So yeah, right. I think, oh my gosh, I can't believe I put that on a T-shirt. But um, I remember making a comment to, to someone who is like, oh, I don't know what I think about that. And I said, well, don't worry, you're not my target audience. <laughs> so, you know, and I think being able to say that um, yes. to people and say, you know what? I don't care what you say because you're actually not my people. You're not my tribe. You're not the people that I'm putting this out for. Um, and I'm creating this for a certain people that's going to benefit from what I'm doing. Um, and unfortunately, you know, you don't fit that and that's fine. You don't have to like it and you don't have to 
um, to be in my tribe. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, I think you have to create your own crowd. You know, yeah. so you, you just got to go for it. And um, and the people that get you, Lauren, absolutely love you and yeah. they get everything that you do. Yeah. And that's really cool. Isn't that what you want? Those rich, deep, meaningful relationships. And not everyone should get you. And, and just because they don't get you, it's, it's also not personal as well. And you don't need to judge them either. It's just kind of what it is. Yeah. But we put this energy into validation. And that, you know what that is? That's just a, a silly belief system that we picked up back in the day. People must approve of what I do. Yeah. That's just, that's just crazy. They can't. They never will. You're always going to have people uh, getting upset about it. In fact, I actively tell people to find out and practice like your colleagues did there about getting embarrassed and seeking feedback. That's the perfect way to transmute and turn all of that stuff into gold. Mm. And that's a, that's a good practice. Now, I'm not encouraging that to, you know, people just throw themselves out to the, the world and just, you know, go for it. But practice wherever you can. Uh, dissolving your ego and being a bit embarrassed because being okay with being embarrassed and saying the sun still comes up, whatever, who cares, next, move on, that's the way you get rid of all those egoic identities. Mm. And, and as soon as you shift that stuff out of the way, you know what you've got left? Power, yeah. intention, clarity, purpose, iteration, agility, malleability. And these are all the things that entrepreneurs and leaders and, and, and men and women have to grow in spades. So you gotta you gotta you gotta learn that stuff. You gotta mm. grow that stuff within you. Yeah, it doesn't just start somewhere. It starts at the bottom, and you've just got to slowly just mould. Yeah, and I guess that's the idea around. You know, it, it definitely is not genes, but it's um being like we said, being exposed to that, and putting yourself around people that are going to expose you to those traits. And if you want to be a better risk taker, put yourself around risk takers. You know, because they're yes. going to show you that it's okay to fall and fail. And I think um, you know. That that's the kind of situation you need to put yourself in around yep. those people and yeah how do you encourage people that come you know and be a part of what you're doing to sort of find those people what do you do to sort of put them in touch you know to take them out of the perhaps negative or unsupportive world that they're in and what kind of environment do you, you tell them to seek out to sort of ensure yep. that they're creating the best opportunity for themselves to you know create yep. the best opportunity in business uh good question so what generally happens is if we, when we work on people in seminars and workshops or coaching relationships, the, the transformation that they start making firstly deep within themselves will start to gravitate uh, towards the circles that they create. Mm -hmm. So the work always starts with you. When I work on myself and I do all the, the bits and pieces, like and I'll say everything from yoga through to healthy eating, meditation, inquiry, you know, therapy or mentoring or what, yeah, podcasting or reading books, whatever the case may be, it's the, the extent to which I work on myself is the extent to which I change the world around me. Yeah. So they'll naturally start making changes and they'll start to sort of repel people, yeah. Um, not because they're bad, it's just because they know that the relationship no longer serves them at this point. Um, they'll start creating naturally uh, and attracting a different type of tribe and that is in direct proportion to the work that they're doing on themselves. So we work on them, we support them through that process and they'll just start making better choices. Even from eating, you know, the way you, the food that you eat, the stuff that you're taking in your body changes your energy, you know, all that sort of gut health stuff that we're hearing about. And you'll start making different choices around people based on what they're attracting and what you're attracting. And it's just a natural state to start making better choices around your community, those people and their belief systems that no longer serve me, but actually having compassion for them as well and saying they're just trying to do the best they can. They're just working at their level of consciousness or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, so you can't expect them to, to not behave that way. They're just behaving the way that they know. And they're not bad people, but it's okay if it's time for me to move on. Yeah, And I can have compassion for them as well as myself. And I don't have to make great drama about it. 
I don't have to make them wrong because that's just me judging them. That's my ego judging their ego. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that internal work that we, we, we're always doing and it never stops uh, will just manifest in your, in your venture, your, your peers, the professionals you have around you, which is so important to, to have that as your kind of your daily maintenance. Is that? Yeah, yeah. that's great. So, Lauren, I think we're drawing this podcast to an end and I've just had a lot of fun and it's been really exciting for me. How's it been for you? Well, this is my first ever podcast, so you have to tell me how I went. Um, I remember telling you a couple of weeks ago that I was super nervous and I was going to think of all these ways I could get out of it. And even this morning, I was still (laughs) trying to think of ways to get out of it. And I think that's something that I know that I do when there's something that you know, I probably will love and enjoy the third time round, but um, I had, I probably had 10 excuses for why I couldn't do a podcast today. <laughs> um, but Damien showed up and I didn't have a choice. And so here we are. And I really enjoyed it. It probably took me a while. Um, if you listen back to the first 10 seconds, I was probably sound like I was running whilst talking. Um, but yeah, it's been a really good experience. And yeah, I, I would love to encourage other people to have a go. Have and a go. Yeah, have a go and record something. And put it out there and if if no one likes it it's also fine but um yeah it's been a really good experience thanks Damien for making me feel comfortable my pleasure Lauren you've absolutely did incredibly well you've completely smashed (laughs) it you've absolutely out of the ballpark so thank you yeah you've done really well and how cool is it for you to actually talk about your experience at the start yeah 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 you had a go you have you had a crack uh, against those nerves, against that angst. You know what? You just push through, and you've done incredibly well. So well done, and really awesome to do this podcast with you. So thank you. Thank you. Well, you've been listening to Fearless. I'm Lauren Villatati, and I'm Damien Carolla. <laughs>